0: Okay, so we're, um, we've been in the, the Bible Project now for a couple of years, right? And uh, just in the same way that it's supposed to be together and, and worship, we hope that it springs, springs something in you that that this isn't the only place that you worship, right? I had the, That taught us, I don't know, because we were singing like what a powerful name, and we heard our voices singing around, and like, where else, where else in the world do you get that? Like, you leave this space, and there isn't people telling you about how powerful God is, or how good he is, or, she the opposite Do you know what i mean it's so important to be in it but that it would spring something else the, the song that martin picked last week um, what's that song you know that i know a place like i'd never heard it before but each morning we've been putting it on that nathan the bessie song you've let and uh each morning me and penny putting it on in the mornings and singing and Penny's dancing around the place and um i'm too cold to dance but she's uh, she's like enjoying it but just like i don't know there's something there's something joyous that can spring Wrong when we're together, yeah. But that's not only about when we're together that it like it, it shapes our life. And I hope that's the case when it comes to the word. We're committed, and every time I get up to preach, I then talk about we have this Bible project. Jump in, Liberty Church, forward slash Bible to find out what the reading is for, for each day, it's like a chapter of the Old Testament, a chapter of the New Testament. But the heart is this: the heart in, in all of that is that you're not just blessed in this space, yeah. You're not just blessed in this hour. Um, We just finished the book of Acts this this week, and now we go into all of Paul's letters. right? So over the next couple of months, here's what we're going to read. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, before we head back to another one of the Gospels. Do you know what treasure is in those books that I just listed off? Like the treasure on every single page of one of them, like 20 minutes a day in the morning, like the treasure, the, 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 the goodness of God just to be putting yourself in the way of the truth that you would want to speak in your life in just simple, simple ways. So and I really encourage you to, just to get into that. Like Mal is, like I said, Mal's made the website. Go to Liberty Church, click on Bible from the top um, and you'll see what the reading is for today, some videos and all that stuff. Um, but we came to the, the end of the book of Acts this week and um, let me pray before I preach, Lord. Um, as we spend time in your word, so just even focus on those words, that it's your, it's your word, Lord. And uh, I even confess now that this isn't about Rob's preparation, or it's isn't about Rob's insight or wisdom or whatever. We have the, the, the awesome honour to gather around your word um, and what you've said, Lord. And I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you will speak to our hearts today. Um, and you will do whatever it is that you want to do. Your heart towards us is so good, Lord. And your heart wouldn't be for us to leave... The way that we came in, you would want to encourage us, you'd want to build us up, you'd want to strengthen us. Even if we came in in a great place, you wanted to live in an even better place, Lord God, then. It's your heart, you're so good towards us. And so, we just treasure these moments we get to spend with you and with one another. And I pray that you'd be glorified in it. We give you our attention um, this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're in, like I said, the end of the book of Acts, and Acts has told well, I've told the story of the, the Holy Spirit, really. I not say it tells the story of Paul, but one of my main points this morning, you know, me and Penny, we read, we read, our little rhythm is we read, Patrice goes to work at 8, we get up at 7, we break the door, whatever. the Patrice leaves for work at 8 and have another hour before Penny has to leave for school. And so just after 8, we sit down and we read our Bible thing, it takes like 5 or 10 minutes, and we have a little chat about it, and then she watches cartoons or do some colouring or something like that. But um, over the last week, we've been journeying with Paul, just reading this story of Paul in the final chapters of Acts, from like chapter 23 through to chapter 28. And it's this story of Paul. He's been on missionary journeys all over the place, right? And now he's, um, he's, he's headed to Rome. And it's the last kind of bit of the story that we have, where he comes to like, kind of the centre of civilization at the time, headed of the Roman Empire. And it's the story of how he gets there. Um, and as we were reading it each day, like a couple of things stood out to us. Like initially, on our first reading, we were like... Like I think most of us read when we read Paul's stuff, we're like, man, Paul is really brave. Paul is really courageous. <laughs> we should be like Paul. Like, imagine if we could be like Paul in the middle of stuff, right? But as we pressed in on it a bit more, I think we often read Paul's stuff like that, right? Like, because he seems like this superhuman kind of guy. And um, but the book of Acts starts with the, the, the outflowing of the, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Holy Spirit coming in Acts 2 and filling the believers. And you see Paul's testimony, you see him being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, like, the Book of Acts is really the story of the Holy Spirit. If we don't, if we don't see it that way, then we see Paul, and he's like that, um, do any of you have, like, a sibling that is, like, better than you at stuff? And your parents are always like, why can't you be more like whoever? If you don't have one, then you are, though, right? I'm that sibling in my, in my family. Why can't you be more like God? <laughs> why can't you be? Like, Rob is a good bloke. But Paul can seem, like, he can seem like that kind of, like, out there kind of character. He talks into the they're having joy in all sorts of circumstances, like and when you know his story, and he talks about that, you're like, that's like out there, some ideals to be attained. But the more we read, we realise Paul is just a, a bloke, and he's uh, a bloke who had the Holy Spirit. He's a bloke, one of the first people we read about who who lived with the implications of this this full good news of Jesus and the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. It's the life that we get to see, and so I, I hope that we're encouraged that as we look at it, that we see like Paul saying that. The same spirit of him who raised jesus christ from the dead lives in you yeah that's the that's the that's the message of paul's of paul's life it's paul himself who said that the same spirit of uh, of him who raised christ from the dead lives lives in us so as we look at this story i don't want us to be like okay paul the super thing can't live up to that i want us to see that the holy spirit was uh his work in his life right and so, a different kind of sermon. I mean, usually want to preach, I to like take like a little portion of scripture and put it apart or whatever. Like I said, I'm only from 23 to 28. I just want to give you an overview of kind of what Paul went through and hope and trust that the Holy Spirit maybe drops into your heart, into your life, like similarities in your own situation, things that maybe you're experiencing, you're feeling. Um, but that in it all, the prayer is this. If you tune out now, right, and you don't listen to the rest of it. I want you to know that God is with you in whatever it is that you're going through that he's at work in it to make you more like his son and that in the end he returns and everything is made is made perfect in the middle of your story i just want you i want you to know to know that stuff and um, well let's look it on to to paul's right so you find paul chapter 23 he's, in, he's back in jerusalem he's traveled all over the mediterranean these missionary journeys all over the place he ends up back in jerusalem and he goes to the temple and There's this situation where he's in the temple like purifying himself or something with a group of guys and these Jews from Asia come along and they don't like Paul. So basically they stir up a riot against him and it's like the whole town goes crazy out of Jerusalem and they're trying to capture Paul to to kill him, right? Um, And so Paul has kind of come full circle. If you go back to like Acts 3, Acts 4, around there, Acts 5 maybe, you see that Paul like years back was in Jerusalem trying to kill Christians and now later on it's like Paul is back in Jerusalem as a Christian and people are, are trying to kill him. So the Romans are in control of Jerusalem at the time. They hear about this riot breaking out and they go and they intervene and they take Paul and they put him in chains like, and they try to find out what's going on. But the violence kicks off and uh, they have to carry him, we lift him out of, the, out of the scenario, surrounded by soldiers. And they're bringing him into the barracks, right? And just as he's about to go into the barracks, like he asks, kind can I to address the crowd on the steps of the barracks? And I feel like getting in there, out of here, and these people are trying to kill him. Paul is out filled like, with the holster, not just great Paul, they have a great God. But he's like, let me, let me preach to them. So he stands up on the, on the barracks, this mob trying to kill him, these soldiers surrounding him. And he tells his, he tells his story, he tells his story of how he was a Jew educated by Amelia who was like one of the Pharisees. How he came across Christians originally and thought they were disrupting the law of God and thought they, they, they couldn't be trusted and went out to arrest them and kill them. How he got letters and he was on this way to this place called Damascus with letters to go to the priests and get permission to arrest more Christians. And how in the middle of the road he encountered Jesus. We know the story. He's knocked off his horse. He hears this, 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 these words, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I'm Jesus of Nazareth who you're persecuting. Jesus appears to him. He's telling the story to people. He tells the story to them. He ended up blinded and he goes off to, to, um, to Damascus. And another Christian comes along The Lord sent to him and says to him, Saul, receive your sight. And his sight comes back and how was baptized. And then he says how God has called him to go and share the gospel with the Gentiles, who are like the people who aren't Jews, right? And at that, it says at that word, as soon as he mentions that word Gentiles, they all freaked out. We might imagine, right? Like, if we were to write the story, there'd be like Paul's Big Bowl stand, right? Like, there's just like, a movie, dramatization movie. Like, you get to the steps and preach, and everyone would fall down and become Christians, and like, the power of God would be. But instead, here's what happens. It's like, they all freak out, and they want to kill him. They began to shout, like, away with such a fellow. He isn't fit to live. And the story kind of continues, right? For the next four chapters, it continues in that vein where... Like you, you, would, you keep expecting God to do something that that He doesn't do. You keep expecting Him to work on your terms, like in terms of like the, the stories we tell about the world and what's right in it, and like you keep expecting God to like show up and do something miraculous and rescue Him. And it's kind of frustrating and confusing to read, because like, over the next few years, Paul just has like a, a terrible time. He just has a, like a, a rough, rough, rough few years of his life, and. It's frustrating, right? But it's it's comforting at the same time to read because because that's the story of life, guys. That's that's what life looks like for many, if not all of us, right? That uh, that's the that's the story. And we, we as beneficiaries get to look back in hindsight, like, right? And we look back and we read and we see, okay, so this all works out. We're beneficiaries of Paul, eventually makes it to Rome and preaches the gospel there. And somehow, 2,000 years later, we're beneficiaries of the stuff probably that Paul was involved in those earlier apostles. Disciples made disciples, made disciples. And we stand here and we see how God was at work in it. but in the middle of it, everything didn't go, didn't go smooth for him. There were years of struggles. But God was in it with them. And God was in it. God was, God was doing something through it. So back to the, back to the story. Right? The Romans find out that Paul was born in a place called Tarsus. And so he's, like a, he's a Roman citizen. Um, so now they have to kind of protect him. Um, but they bring him back to the Jewish courts, the Sanhedrin, to find out what's going on and how we sort this out. They get in front of the San, Sanhedrin and says, the dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces. So they take him back into custody. And then it says, that night Jesus appears to Paul and says to him, take courage, as you testified about me in Jerusalem, so must you also testify to me in wrong. Jesus appears to him and tells him, take courage, you're going to preach about me in wrong. Now, again, if we jumped into the story, we would think, okay, this is the turning point of the story, Jesus appeared, everything's going to be, everything's going to be great, the next thing's going to happen You'll end up in wrong. very next verse after Jesus says that, it says, the next morning, a group of Jews got together and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they'd killed Paul. There was more than 40 of them in the conspiracy. They went to the leading priests and elders and told them, "We've bound ourselves with an oath to eat nothing until we've killed Paul." Jesus appears. Seems like maybe this is going in a good direction. What happens next? 40 people like decide, like, almost like a hunger strike. We're not going to eat until we've killed. We've killed this guy. That's not like just some like light like dedication to something yet. Yeah? They're like, we're, we're going after this guy until. We kill him so the commander tries to get him out of jerusalem and he sends him off And he sends him off like surrounded by like 400 soldiers to protect this one guy 70 men on horseback right to protect him as he goes off to caesarea to a a guy called felix so he's been in front of the governor he's been in front of the sanhedrin now he's gone off to this this guy called felix and there's a court case the high priest and some guys from jerusalem come up and they, they just lie about paul they say He's known to be a troublemaker who's constantly causing up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of this cult of the Nazarenes, desecrating the temple. Paul stands up and simply defends himself. He's like, these men can't prove anything that they're accusing me of. I admit that I follow the way which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in it and the prophets, right? And the court case is just out of stalemate. Felix doesn't know what to do. But, but instead of letting him go, Felix is like afraid of the, the Jews and uh, he just says to Paul, okay, keeps him under guard, sends him away and says, I'll send for you when it's convenient. And then you have this little insight in 24, 26, it says that he hoped that Paul would bribe him. So he sent for him quite often and talked to him. And then in 27, listen to this, after two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favour with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. Now as we read, as me and Penny read that line during the, during the week, after two years in prison, it just, it just hit us, like two years. You read it in a sentence, right? And you move on to the next bit of the story. But two years in prison, because this guy just, like someone the trumped up charges against him, this guy wanted a bride, all was he going to pay the bride? So two, two years, he sits in prison. Two years of his life, slandered, arrested, imprisoned. And you like, as we read it, we're like, how can that be? How can that be God's plan? Some people reckon that Paul is one of the most influential people to have ever lived, one of the smartest theologians to ever live. And it seems God in his wisdom just landed him in prison for two years. You can't talk to you can't talk to anyone. Like what effect is he what's gonna happen? Like what effect is he gonna have in the prison, sitting there? Perhaps the most influential Christian teacher, all this amazing knowledge inside him is just in this stalemate, this going nowhere stuck kind of a place. And just the injustice of us hitting, you know when we read, like, you ever watch that movie about, like, Hurricane Carter, when he's locked up for something, or In the Name of the Father, you know all those ones where there's, like, people who are locked up for something they didn't do, and, I don't know, it just hit us, for like, two, two years. Boys, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if our faith is maybe fickle sometimes, because we're not tested, maybe, to that extent, I don't, I don't know, but I reckon you would be tempted to think, man, well, i have got up locked up here in two years, maybe that's evidence that, uh, maybe that's evidence that God is actually in this thing. Yeah, that's evidence that I should be doing something different. You would tend to, to read it that way. I wonder if he had those moments of doubt or fear. Or, I wonder if you know, he always just, like, was he always, I don't know. Wouldn't he, wouldn't he even rationalize it? Like, well, look, even if I paid a the bribe, then I get out and then I can preach the gospel. Do you know what I mean? Trying to, trying to figure out his way for it. Imagine just sitting there and he's like, well, what about Rome? You're, just, you're, telling me, oh, you're telling me I'm going to Rome and I'm, just, I'm sitting in Caesarea, like, am only, only like five miles from Jerusalem. I've sat here for two years, what happens? What about that promise, God? What about the thing, like, Jesus, you appeared and you said this to me. And again, there's this confusing but comforting thing going on. And it's going on there, like I find it comforting because life, life is like that. As I dwell on it, I'm grateful that, that Scripture doesn't doesn't whitewash the life of the Christian. Like, I don't know, I mean, there's versions of scripture, right? there's versions of like, prosperity gospel. Become a Christian, God's gonna give you, insert the blank, whatever it is, do you know what I mean? Or you, you can come along to, to, to services, and the church will just present, you know, become a Christian and everything's gonna be great. Or preachers like me might get up every week and try and convince you, every day is like Christmas morning. Yeah, every day is every day is great, and if it's not, that's because you don't have enough faith, or something it's kind of low level. Guilt two years. Like in a prison the Bible doesn't, doesn't whitewash that in an attempt to sell it to you the word of God is like it's real, it's clear, it's like this is what happened to these guys who follow Jesus and I'm grateful for that because when I go through crap times and I read the word, it's a, it's a lifeline to me, I realise that people have gone through this and I get to look back at it in hindsight and see that God was still at work in the middle of them years like God was still, he hadn't given up and Paul, he's still at work. His plans were still his plans. His love for him was still his love for him. His, his purposes in the world were still his purposes in the world. And he's using even the brutal times to get him where he wanted him to be. He's working in the middle of it. And the same God loves and saves and walks with me. He has loved and saved and walked with Paul. Maybe he spent two years going, going nowhere. I mean, right, globally that's probably the case. I talk about 2019 like it was yesterday, right? The last... Couple of years, all of a sudden everybody was two years older. Everybody was like, just I don't know, just coronavirus just like wiped out those two years and somehow. So um, maybe physically that's been like the case for you. It felt them like a holding pattern. And then, or maybe like not even with coronavirus, maybe there was plans that you had for your life. You thought your life was going one way, and then it just it just didn't happen. Maybe there was maybe there was deep loss that derailed you. Maybe there was ambitions that you had that have turned into disillusionment or regret or despair when things are taking longer than you thought they would. When you thought you were getting some momentum and then the road was pulled out from under you or the season of enlightenment you can't do the things that you want to do. You felt you were making progress and then something just, something just knocked you off. Like, how can, I, how can I keep moving? Maybe even in the things of God, maybe you had ambitions and God words over your life and you're like, man, it's two years on, it's three years on, it's five years on, where am I? what's God doing in this stuff maybe there's promises that were spoken over your life and you haven't seen them come to pass yet and you're in the middle of it what we can take away and learn from the story is that God is never not a work in our lives even if you're locked up in a prison even when it looks stale even when it looks like when things are over or going nowhere that God is a work and in knowing that I think we need to recognise that God's work mightn't look like how we would have how we would have planned it I remember, in, in you guys know, you guys know my story, I've told it a million times, right? But there was, um, I, had, I felt like I had this momentum as a Christian, right? I left my job, I was, grew up as a, grew up as a Christian, working for, like, volunteer in the great church, in the early days of it, and then left, left my job as an engineer to go and work for the church, had this goal that I was going to preach within the first year, preached within the, within the first year, like, like eight months, nine months later, I um, and it's like this, this pinnacle of like moving towards the plans of God you know, all this stuff we say, God's hands on your life, you're 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 you are you you know what I mean, gonna do great things in God, like all this all this like blessing, all this stuff that's that's true, right? But then, um, but you guys you guys the most sorry, like my mom and dad were there for to hear me preach. Um, for the first time, and they just renewed their vows from um, their wedding, they gone through a tough time, they to restored their marriage, they renewed their wedding vows, they were sitting down, just on the right hand side, like the back of the church on RD Street there, and um, heard me preach for the first time, and everything was great, and then the next day, um, I found out my mom was sick, she's been in the hospital the night before, and signed herself out to come and hear me preach, and um, like some sort of stomach bug, but anyway, she ends up a few weeks later, back in hospital with this stomach bug, just a random thing, and then the stomach bug turns into pneumonia, and then the pneumonia puts her in intensive care, and it's in intensive care, and she gets another infection, and then 51 years later, she dies. So she goes from perfectly healthy, we're doing our wedding nose. six weeks later, she's gone, right? Um, and then, a few months after that, that was September, in December, I'm off on a missions trip, again, like, I'm going to follow the things of God, I'm going to go and do a missions trip in Belarus, and then... Um, First night we were there, and uh, guy Brian Kelly woke me up in the middle of the night. He just got a call from his sister Lorna, to say she found my dad, my dad dead at home. Um, and it turned out he'd taken some sort of thing in his brain, or something like. You know, there was an autopsy and all on it. But he then, um, yeah, he passed away as well. Again, two of them, like within within what, well, 17 weeks apart, were gone, right? And uh, I was reminded of it as I thought about that two years. well I didn't spend two years in prison, but I did spend the whole two years just like, who even is God? You know, like this momentum, is this how it's going to work out? I'll follow you and then I'll lose the world do you nothing. Know like, what's, what's what's going on? And um, I spent two years, I was working for a church, and I spent two years in just this holding pattern. kind of half in, half out. I try to leave worship, I try to do something. I was the biggest cynic you could ever imagine. I'm sure I melted Noah's brain. Whenever anybody would come in, and have someone come in to be given words of prophecy, I'm like, that's all bullshit. No, no mm-hmm. that's all. Like, what are we doing? Where are we at? No, lads are doing Like, what's just, just. As cynical, and then, um, but it came to make or break because I couldn't keep going on like that. I didn't want to be a hypocrite. I didn't want to be working for a church and not even knowing who God is. Now, when I say I don't know who God is, I still believe in God. I still believe God is good, but I'm like, God isn't God isn't who I think He is. Like my my understanding of how this is meant to work out. I thought I do the right things, then only good things happen. Yeah, do the right things, and then God blesses me with all of it. And that's that's how it seemed to happen so far. (laughs) That's what my whole life had looked like up to that point. um, But now here I was doing the ultimate right things, I thought. And then just this devastation in my life. And um, yeah, crazy upset, didn't deal with it well. Like, just had emotions at the level of here, you know. And uh, eventually, anyway, the Lord led me away. I went to this caravan by myself. And went away to kind of mourn. Two years on, it's actually two years. And uh, to kind of mourn and to figure out what was going on and decide, really, you just go back to being an engineer, role, go back and have a career, or you're going to keep working for the church. But if you are, you, I went away saying it was make or break, I needed an encounter with God. And you guys probably know, repeating myself, but the first night I was there, I started writing this list of all the things. I had an engineer to try and figure out all the ways I felt sorry for myself. I'm going like, to yeah. deal with them, like, hit them head on, hadn't named them, do you know what I mean, before. So I'm writing down all this stuff, like when I lost the two, I I've great parents, you know what I mean, who's going to be proud of me? i don't be like bittersweet. I've got like two sisters like three sisters, no grandkids divine like but um, from the man dad three sisters and like they were still young, who's gonna who's gonna look out for? Me. Do you know what I mean? And then when I do have kids, you know, what you're thinking into the future, when I do have kids, it's gonna teach me how to be a parent? I don't have parents around now. You know, I and mean? like all of it, it's like writing down all of these all of these things. Who's gonna if I ever need it back up financially? But you just know there's someone there who loves you enough to be who's gonna love me even if I mess up. I wrote down stuff like me mad, like I just want to make sure I treat the treats well. I mean, my mad was great, like that, she's stuff. Like, make sure you look after your wife, make sure you look after your wife. And um, but towards the, 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 the end of that list, as I was writing, it ended up being like three pages long, I still have the notebook. Towards the end of that list, I realized that I was writing a list of things that um, that God in His Word had promised that He would be. And I pull out scriptures for all of them of how He would instruct, of how He died, of how He has pride in us, of how He loves us, of how He provides, us, how he provides for us. All them. And I wrote at the end of it, though, so I believe God is saying he'll be these things, and and wrote yes, underneath it, and guys, honestly, instantly, been living with levels of emotion up to here, instantly, it was, it was gone. I don't know how long ago that was, 15 years or something, right? like 2007, 2009, something like that, um, and uh, yeah, not even 2007, 2009, um, like it hasn't come back, like it was just healed, it was gone, because it was replaced with something with something even greater, it was replaced, God really showed me that he'd always been. My father he'd always been those things. And the, the the good things that my man and dad didn't even point it towards were only like a fraction of the greatness of who he was and how stable he would be. None of them are perfect, but he's perfect. None of them even as much as they love me, love me perfectly. He loves me perfectly. None of them, even as much as they would have wanted to provide, to provide to me perfect or direct my life, he loves me and perfects me perfectly and provides for me perfectly and directs my life like that. God was greater in so much his love was greater, his mercy was greater, his presence was greater. And then and it just—I don't know—it just replaced that all that that loss that was gone was gone and was filled with something, um, and it's, that's never come back. The point is, like, I often say this when i share sharing a testimony. If I could have my parents back tomorrow, but well, I had to give up the revelation of God to have them back, that honestly I wouldn't—I wouldn't do it because He's greater in every way. And that God used those those two years and that loss to establish something in me that never would have been established without it. And I can look back on those times where it could seem like a waste. It seem like what was I doing for even two years just floating around? You know what I mean? Like just whatever, turn myself into working in the house, just distracting myself. Like, but it was difficult. it was like God building into me some resilience, God building into me like the bedrock of what would be. Like, like where I minister, where I still, where to still the core of faith, from. I know that, I know that, I know that I can't God, and then he trans, you transformed my life, it's my soul. Do you realise the hope that's in that, do you realise the power of God, that even in the worst of things that you go through, that God is at work in them? And even in things like, we often look for the evidence of stuff getting better to say that that's what God is, what God is in this, because it's getting, it's getting better, but... Jesus says in this world you're gonna have trouble. Take heart, take courage, because I will overcome the world. And he's saying you won't face trouble. He's saying you will face it, but you can take courage from me because I want to be with you, in it. As well as reminded, I was I read Paul's story. Things didn't get better for him. That guy Festus like uh, took over, and then he stood another trial before, uh, before the king of the Jews, this guy King Agrippa, and then eventually they decided to send him to Rome. They decide to send him to Rome and you might think, well here's where it all works out now and he's back in the plan of God and then God knows yeah. on. They, put, they get on a boat heading for Rome. There's a storm at sea. For, for two weeks they're battered by stuff. like People are throwing stuff overboard. They're all going to die. People are trying to escape and all And Eventually they, 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 they're shipwrecked. The extent like the, the boat breaks up and they have to swim for, for their lives. They make it to the island of Malta, and I think that's the end. But then Paul's taking some wood to throw it on the fire on the island of Malta, and the snake comes out and bites him on the hand. A viper, and people are like, oh, he's going to die, do you know what I mean? Like, and then he doesn't die, so then they're like, oh, he's a god, all the natives, like, and just this madness going on around his life, from like, like out of the frying pan and into the fire, yeah, from prison, to shipwreck, to like a snake biting, and yeah, yeah. like like, I don't know. I think the simple truth in things church is that you're going to go through tough times, and then they're going to seem like they can't get worse, and then they're going to get worse. <laughs> right? But uh, but God, God is in it. God is with you. There's nothing that's outside of His, nothing that's outside of His control. Nothing, nothing at all. And even then, He gets to Rome. Three months later, He gets on another boat from Malta, and they they make it to Rome. And then you might be expecting like suddenly everybody bows down and worships. So you see, like the, the 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 journey that He's been through with, like shipwrecking. And, and starvation and, and prison and all that sort of stuff. But here's what it says when he gets to Rome. It says he preached to people and it says some were convinced by what he said and others didn't believe. That's it. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the culmination of the story at the end of Acts. What he's been building up there. Some were convinced and then others weren't. Others what's, what's, what's even happening here? But we look back on it, guys. We look back on it and we see, the, we see the fruit of Paul's life. Like I said, if you join with us in reading now, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all that stuff, like it's going like, to build strength into your bones. And a lot of that was written while Paul was, while Paul was in prison. I right? think the story is one designed to give us confidence that God's with us, especially when it doesn't look like it. We might prefer to hear, right? Or we might like it to say, I feel if I was going like, to make up the Bible story, I would say... You know, Paul rode to Damascus, bright light, go not follow me. Yeah, he follows Jesus. And then Paul had a successful business making tents and told to people about Jesus at the weekend. And everybody loved him and everyone went to heaven. And, yeah? And like, that's, that's kind of what we're often sold as Christians. And then when we go through the mill, like, it, it hits us because then we're like, well, where is God? This is what I'm sold. And then I go through, like, deep loss. I go through loss of job, loss of relationship, loss of a loved one. When I go through, like, I have all this feel, all this potential. I feel like God's hand is on my life, and I feel like I'm just stuck, and it's not going anywhere. I feel like I've given my best efforts, and I've been bold, and I've been whatever, and it's not, it's not reaching anything. Ours isn't to determine what the fruit of our lives is. That's what God's role is, and God's job is. God will take everything that you go through, whether it's two years stuck in a prison, or two years stuck in a row, or ten years stuck in a rut so God will take everything that you go through, and use it for your good, and use it for his glory that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know who wrote that? Paul. Do you know where he was where he wrote it? In prison. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. So in the middle of this evening, here's what we do guys, we press on and we keep the faith and we keep doing what we know to be right and we keep meeting, and we keep reading, and we keep praying, and we keep loving one another, and we keep believing, and we keep singing together. Paul wrote these other words from prison. And knowing no that he wrote them from prison, I'm going to read them out, they carry, they carry extra weight. He didn't write them after climbing Mount Everest or achieving something amazing, now everybody's going to listen to me. He wrote them as a rejected, imprisoned, like in the eyes of the world, low life, locked up, discredited. And he says this in Philippians 3, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on one thing. I forget what's in the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He makes this appeal, he says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. It's like the evidence. The Holy Spirit in your life, if you're holding your spiritually mature, is that there's a tenacity, an ability, the capability empowered by the Holy Spirit to press on and take a hold of that for which Jesus has taken a hold of you. Just the power of that story. Jesus has taken a hold of you for a purpose, and our job is just. On, keep believing in that purpose, keep walking towards it, keep doing the right things and take a hold for it. And the inevitable result of that is that we receive the heavenly prize for which God has called us in Christ Jesus. Towards, I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ has possessed me. You know, he looks back when he talks about Christ has possessed me, he's always always sharing the story. I encourage you to share your story with people. Share your story with yourself. When I tell you that story and I'm like that's the bedrock of me. I remind myself of that story when I'm going through tough times. I remind myself, God, oh, you, you can't you can't walk away from it. Because <laughs> it's undeniable. <laughs> like this happens. Do you know what I mean? This is. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was like I was broken, and now I'm healed. Like it, it's it's a real, genuine, true story. And every chance he gets, you see it through Acts. He just keeps telling people this story again on the steps, before the kings, or before whatever. Just like lines the shen- I don't know what to tell you, lads. Here's what happened. Jesus appeared to me. Nothing not worse. see blind to me, and he's giving me this mission to to the Gentiles. Jesus is real. I can't deny it. And there's something about speaking it out, speaking it out, like speaking out the story, speaking out the truth of what God has done that's, that's incredible. That builds us up. In the middle of whatever time it is you're going through, a great time, or a dry time, a tough time, a frustrating time, just got out of a shipwreck and now you've been bitten by a snake kind of time. Like, Remind yourself of the goodness of God. Remind yourself of the story. Remind one another, rather. Jesus has taken a hold of your life, He lives in you. By his Holy Spirit, and he enables you to press on, to keep going. You have the strength of God. Even at your weakness, at your weakest, you're strong. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Guess who wrote that? Paul. In this context, again, he tells a story. He tells this story we just read in Acts. In the book of Corinthians, he tells the Corinthians this story. And he's like, oh, like yeah, really? He says he says five times the Jew so he told the story of Damascus before and then he tells the other story of like the imprisonment and all. And he's like five different times the Jewish leaders gave me thirty nine lashes, three times I was beaten with rods. rods. Once I was stoned. I always hear here, once I was stoned, like everyone tries it once. Uh, but three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day in church, a different guy kind of stunned. At bay and drift at sea, I've travelled on many long journeys, I've faced dangers from rivers and from robbers, I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts and on the seas, and I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not, I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty, and I've often gone without food, and I've shivered in the cold without enough clothes to keep me warm. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said to you, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Here we see what happened in the middle of that story, right? Whether there was moments of doubt, moments of fear, seasons of it, in the prison and the shipwreck and all. We see the outcome of it. That Paul realised, yeah, I'm weaker than I thought I was. I can't control things the way I would want to. I can't. I can't foresee what's going to happen. I'm like, I feel like I'm subject to all this stuff. But what what happened is he realised when I'm weak, I'm actually strong. Like that's the outcome of this stuff. The outcome of that situation when I am weak strong when I embrace my weakness, when I surrender to the God of all heaven who's taken hold of me, when I just keep pressing towards doing the things that I know are right to do, then I'm, I'm strong, I'm strong in Jesus. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the, the heavenly prize. I just encourage you guys, just keep pressing on. That's what I want to say to you, press on in the frustration and the doubt. Press on when it seems like you're getting nowhere and you can't see how things are gonna work out, press on. And God is at work in all things. St. Paul has said that as well from Insta. In all things, God is at work for those who believe in him and are called according to his purposes. Same guy, written incredible. you know what I mean? Not written in this cushy house and leafs look like me, you know Sitting I'm in prison. Like, in all things, in the middle of every circumstance, he's at work in your life. And that's, that's the great truth, right? This season of the last COVID and all, it's been the unshakable truth. Um, The thing that's really grounding, the thing that's really stuck out to me was that we often hope for better outcomes and we can believe and we pray as in line with the Lord's will. I'm not preaching some faithless message. In the end actually I'm preaching the greatest message. You can imagine preaching the hope of eternity, the hope of heaven that's placed in our hearts, the restoration of the world. But in the interim, in the middle when we live in the midst of this battle, here's what you need to know. You need to know that God is at work in everything to make you more like his son because he loves you. So the outcome mightn't be that you get that job you're looking for, the outcome mightn't be that the relationship actually works out, the outcome mightn't be that you get restored to you in this life, the things that you like, but the inevitable outcome is that God is going to make you more like your son in the middle of it. Whatever it is, why? Because He loves you. He loves you like you can't imagine. Whatever this season is God is at work, like constantly, like taking even the bad things. It's a much bigger, it's a much greater picture of God than just God who works out everything. Like for the good in this life. Like God will take even the bad things you've gone through, even what you enemy meant for evil, even when people slandered you, even when people spoke against you, when people took from you. God takes those things and uses them for your glory, for your good, because of that work conforming you to the image of His Son. And by conforming it to the image of His Son, I mean making you beautiful, like installing in your life peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness. And- self-control, all those fruits of the Spirit, like freeing you from the things that have held you in the past, freeing you from the expectations of others, freeing you from needing to be the strong person, freeing you from being anything that's outside of His will for you. Like his heart is so good, He'll use even the crap things to, uh, to love you. So Father, I pray, my um, mm, heart in writing this message, Lord, is just that we would see that your Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and that it would be instilled in us like deeply that that whatever it is, frustrating times, hard times, devastating times, or even good times, whatever it is, that you're at work, Lord. And I pray over your people, including me, that um, we wouldn't learn to know the peace that passes all understanding as we surrender to your will and your work. We would be able to take defining rights of what's good and bad and all off our own lives, off our own heads, our own intellects and instead would say that I believe with all my heart that Jesus, you're with me in the middle of this storm, and I believe that you're at work in my heart. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would just even reveal to us what those deep truths, like Paul coming out of that space, knowing that, well, if I just embrace even my weakness, then I'm strong. When i come out of that caravan knowing that you're just such a great father, Lord. I pray whatever it is that you're leading us through, that the lessons, Lord God, would, would just come to our hearts and our minds and we more become like, more like your son, I pray for strength for those who are in the middle of those two-year seasons or the shipwreck seasons. I pray that you'd strengthen their bones. I pray that you would help them to keep pressing on, Lord God, in full assurance that you who began the good work, you're faithful and you'll complete it. In Jesus' name. Amen.